Critical Frames is a bite-sized gaming news podcast bringing you consistent updates on the latest hot-button topics in the games industry. If you'd like to support our work, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash critical frames. Hello and welcome to episode two of Critical Frames, a bite-sized news gaming podcast. I am your host, Joe Smalley, and I'm here today with my buddy, Brian Arvett. How are you doing, Brian? What's up, man? We're recording like, it's, has it even been 12 hours yet or roughly so? Maybe, no, it's been longer than that, but less than 24. We're back with episode two. I think episode one went really good, so I'm excited yep. to be here. I said, Joe, there's probably going to be more news on Monday, and what do you know? There it is. Yeah, so, uh, well, let's not talk about what games we've been playing, because we've already addressed that in uh, yeah, yeah. in episode one. Um, let's get straight into the, the main topics of the Monday. So, on the first agenda, Starfield is the fifth biggest launch, uh, game launch sorry, in Europe this year so far, behind Hogwarts Legacy, Diablo 4, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, and Star Wars Jedi Survivor in Week 1 Sales. The report comes by way of GamesIndustry.biz, of which the article is by head of Games uh, B2B, Christopher Dring. Quote, Starfield was comfortably number one across Europe during its launch week. GSD data shows. The Xbox game, which is also on PC, became the fastest selling new IP of the year and the fifth fastest selling game of the year overall. Its launch sales are ahead of Final Fantasy 16 and Resident Evil 4, but behind Hogwarts Legacy, Diablo 4, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, and Star Wars Jedi Survivor. The data isn't quite like for like, as Starfield was technically available a week earlier for those who purchased the premium edition, so had a few extra days of sales. Starfield was also a day one Xbox Game Pass release, and that data isn't included here either. The game just about comes ahead of Forza Horizon 5 as the biggest Xbox launch this generation across Europe. End quote. Yeah. See, I don't know what to make of Starfield statistics because, and this is something I almost said to Josh on, on my other podcast, was it was Josh was saying how Baldur's Gate 3 had like 875,000 player peak on Steam. And for comparison, he said Starfield had like 320. Well, that was Starfield's purchased copies on just Steam. You then have purchased copies on Microsoft Store through the PC, and then you have PC Game Pass, and then you have purchased copies through Xbox plus Game Pass on Xbox. So I'm pretty positive Starfield had more players than Baldur's Gate. I would wager somewhere between one and two million. Um, I don't. I don't really think it was close. Not that Baldur's Gate should be sneezed at at all. It's not really. It's, it's not a competition. But um, when, when there's statistics like this, where like the fifth biggest in, in, in you said Europe, right? In Europe, yep. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, I know that's a good thing, but I'm also like, I don't really know what that tells me because normally for a game as big as Starfield, if you told me it launched to fifth place, I would think that's kind of crappy because it's it, this is freaking Starfield. Um, but I think it's actually probably really good. I think Starfield's probably, I mean, it's bigger than Final Fantasy 16. Um, it's bigger than a lot of games this year. I definitely, I think it's bigger than Baldur's Gate 3. So um, good statistics, but... Not a lot to go off of. I think Starfield's huge right now, and I think that um, any kind of discourse or controversy that's going around about it doesn't really play into just how successful this game is. Starfield's huge. Hmm. I, I mean, I think I think they already confirmed that this is, yeah, this is a bigger launch for their for a Bethesda game than any 
any game prior, mm-hmm. and it's not on PlayStation. So, and I know there's, I mean, you have the fact that time has passed, there's more gamers, and then you have the fact that Game Pass is like free, so you have more people coming in that way. But I don't know, man. I it's just a big success. I mean, what do you do? You have any more to add to that, or, or Europe um, specific, or what do you think? One thing I find very surprising is the fact that it's a whole new IP and every single one of those that are, you know, that that it is behind in the sales charts is that they're all established franchises, whether, you know, in gaming or in pop culture, obviously like things like Hogwarts and Harry Potter and stuff is always going to, is always going to be out. Uh, and, you know, to some extent, you know, Star Wars is always going to be out, you know, Starfield and stuff like that. But it is pretty impressive. The fact that it is, uh, so high up and the fact that it is ahead of final fantasy which is such a legacy franchise um and obviously yeah. resident evil 4 which is you know both that, that they're no small feats um and considering that like europe is trailing behind north america as in xbox user base um and the fact that it's the fifth biggest game launch ahead of those two okay that's a good point i didn't bring forth yeah for that yeah. country specifically yeah it's a uh, it's pretty it's pretty good stats you know it'll definitely be something that i think xbox will use in their in their marketing and pr schemes going ahead i feel like to to kind of flex the 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 impact that starfield has had well it makes me wonder because i've been telling people that like anything starfield does should be extra impressive because it's a new ip and if you're not somebody who's like super in the gaming industry knowledge or passionate you might have no idea that Starfield has anything to do with Fallout or, or Skyrim, right? Like, if yeah. you're just a normal person who's playing video games, like, most people I work with, I don't think they'd have a clue that this is the people who made Skyrim or um, or Fallout. But then it does make you wonder, with as successful as it, as it is, am I not giving, like, gaming culture enough credit? Maybe enough people do realize this is... I would mm. still think it's a lot less than, like, if it was straight up a Fallout or Elder Scrolls game. Yeah, but maybe more people realize it than I than I think that there's this like basically Skyrim in space type game. But uh, yeah, the game's awesome. I mean, it's yeah. uh, you know I've I've said little things here and there, you know, that I think you know paint an idea to people that I have problems with it. Which I mean, I technically I do have problems with it, but like mm-hmm. this is a freaking awesome game and, and something I could not put down for, yeah. for two weeks. Which <laughs> that makes it sound worse than, than it should <laughs> because like people are still not putting people aren't going to be putting this down for months, but like. I was just racing to get back to the Xbox for this. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm glad to see the success because this is, you know, on, on my other podcast, we talked about like when Redfall dropped, like, woo doggy, that was like a tough time. Yeah, like, yeah. man, Xbox, this is supposed to be your year and I hope Starfield brings it. And, you know, Phil Spencer <laughs> yeah. infamously said that whole like 11 out of 10 thing, Star- even if Starfield's 11 out of 10, it will be enough to, to beat yeah. PlayStation. Well, we don't care about you beating PlayStation. We just want good games. Yep. And you know what? Starfield Starfield actually wasn't even close to an 11 out of 10, but I still feel like it did what we all wanted it to do. And it's make yeah. Xbox have something cool and move the needle and like get us excited about their first party. So, I mean, now I'm just like, I look at my Xbox and I'm like, yeah, I got Starfield. This is dope. Yeah. And, yeah, then, yeah. and then if they can bring like Hellblade or Avowed or whatever next year, like let's just keep it rolling, you know? Yeah. Keep the momentum going and press PlayStation a little bit, you know, make them work for that that first place because they haven't been doing that in, oh, I don't know, 2013. Microsoft <laughs> made it easy for them. Microsoft, yeah, yeah. In 2013, yeah. Microsoft was like, here's a silver platter yeah. and here's here's everything. So. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty, so moving on to the uh, second news of the show. The Elder Scrolls 6 will likely be exclusive to Xbox and PC, according to FTC submissions. This comes from a post on X, formerly Twitter, made by journalist Stephen Totillo, currently of Axios and formerly Kotaku. 
And it's all but officially confirmed that Bethesda Game Studios' next big blockbuster release, The Elder Scrolls VI, is coming to Xbox and PC only as exclusives. The highly confidential listing comes by way of being featured in a testimony at a hearing where Microsoft responded in the FTC versus Microsoft case very recently. It features a number of previously first, second, and third-party titles, such as Deathloop, Ghostwire Tokyo, The Elder Scrolls Online, Starfield, and Redfall, of which all details contained relevant to those are indeed accurate to how we access them today, leading us to believe that we shouldn't doubt the information provided here regarding The Elder Scrolls VI. Microsoft's statement, uh, statement about said title is as follows, quote, In order to be on Xbox, and I want to be, uh, sorry, I want us to be able to bring the full complete package of what we have, and that would be true when I think about Elder Scrolls Six. End quote. What do we think to this, Brian? Well, I think it's kind of funny that, like, if you go back to when me and Josh were recording an episode years ago for Microsoft acquiring Bethesda, we had this conversation, and a lot of people in the industry had this conversation of, like, yeah, I think we oh, all will. Yeah, will will Wolfenstein and Doom and and like Elder Scrolls were these games? Will these be exclusive? Like, nah, they're not going to do that, right? Because there's too much money on the table. They sell so mm-hmm. many copies on PlayStation, and I think it's just funny now looking back that we had that conversation because for two reasons. One, because I think it's pretty clear, and credits to Josh, he said this. Like, I think it's pretty clear that if you spend this amount of money on a studio, you're probably going to want to make it exclusive. You know, like that 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 right off the bat, especially with Game Pass included. That should have been pretty clear, I think, if you think about it back then, that like they wanted to make this theirs only. But then it's even more so like, oh, for sure, this was never going to be on on PlayStation once we got the court filings and stuff. And we discovered that basically the reason Microsoft acquired Bethesda is because Sony had had this track record of paying uh, publishers to not release their game on Xbox. It happened Mm -hmm. here, it happened there, and then there was word spreading that they were about to do the same thing with Starfield. Sony was going to pay Bethesda to keep Starfield off of Xbox and Xbox threw their hands up and said, we cannot do this anymore. Just freaking buy the whole damn company. So they went yeah, to yeah. Bethesda. So once these, these core documents came out and like, we found out that like my, the like Sony was playing really dirty with making stuff, not come to Xbox. It's, it's clear that once, once Microsoft decided they were going to buy it, they were going to say, Oh, we'll still give you Elder Scrolls. They're going to no, yank. Yeah. That's yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think by the time Elder Scrolls comes out, which I would think is at least five full years from now, uh, we'll be so used to Bethesda being part of the Xbox ecosystem. Starfield will have been an exclusive for you know half a decade. I don't think it'll be as shocking to people. Like there's gonna be some outliers out there who in 2028 are going, How can I what can I get uh, you know Elder Scrolls 6 on my PlayStation? But yeah, I think yeah. most people at that point are gonna understand. And Game Pass will be more widespread. You know, people have been using it on PC and stuff like that. I don't think it's going to be as big of a deal come then. But I mean, it's sad. I mean, like, I would hate if, uh, like, let's say if you're a Call of Duty fan, like, what if Call of Duty was only on PlayStation? Like, you couldn't play it on Xbox anymore. Like, it does suck for being on a system where you expect to get that game and you don't get it anymore. I think if we try to remove our fanboyisms, it'd be better if this was on all consoles. Yeah. But. The one thing I could say to try to give Xbox some cred is like, I do think Starfield's a better product because it's an Xbox exclusive. I think it got more time, more budget, more care. And I think we are playing a better game because of it. So there's some there's some pros and cons there. I mean, like, 
the Bethesda that put out 76 and Fallout 4 and Skyrim, that's the Bethesda that's known for super buggy games or ones that don't work. Like Skyrim for PS3 was just like horrible the way. Yeah, yeah, because of the RAM on the console, yeah. Yeah, so, and we're looking at Starfield. I know we can still make jokes about Starfield and how it has like little Bethesda-isms about it, but Mm -hmm. this is clearly a step up for the studio, the quality bar for for Starfield and how it released. So I think it could ultimately make Elder Scrolls Six a better game, but yeah, it sucks. If you're a PlayStation only guy, you're not gonna you're not gonna get this game. What do you what do you think, Joe? See, I I'm really not that bothered by this. Like I expected it. I mean, anyone that I'm not bothered. Yeah. No, no. And I feel like if I was solely a PlayStation gamer, I'd be like, what the hell, you know? And I think I would yeah. be more more bothered because at the end of the day, like the 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 PlayStation gamer in this situation is the one that gets you know cut out from a, a hopefully an awesome video game and yeah you know this whole acquisition era that we're in right now i personally i'm not a fan of it just simply because like we're just yeah. consolidating and homogenizing so many different things that like we're i think we're inevitably going to lead to a point where we're like we're, we're killing the third party yeah, no, like the the third yeah. party scene is 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 eventually going going to go away. You know, you've got things like embracer group swallowing everything, and then like like hemorrhaging cash and all that stuff. And it, it's to me, it's not a, a sustainable way across the board of having you know all these different games under so many different umbrellas. And to me, it's a shame because in some ways, it kind of it can be potentially like such a, a, a how would I say this like a a controlled effort of like maybe potentially restrict uh, restricting creativity on a on yeah. an industry wide scale, um, and everything becomes very very executive. And I think by design, it's going to very much become like a kind of let's do this because PlayStation's doing this, PlayStation's doing this, Xbox is doing this. It's like it's going to fuel more yeah. the war, you know. Even though already it's so volatile, um. Not to go on too much of a diatribe, the the whole thing with Elder Scrolls Six, I think the I've always played my my Bethesda Game Studios games on uh, PC, like that's where I play them. Yeah. Um, I've never once, I don't think, ever played a Bethesda game on a on a PlayStation system. I've never, I'll be honest, I've never truly seen them as a PlayStation first third party, you know, title. Same. Same um, even though they are, they, it's just not where their culture is. Ever since Morrowind. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it's a shame for the PlayStation gamers if this comes to fruition, but in all honesty, it's the way the industry is now, I think. Yeah, I, I think the, this industry is so much younger than other industries, so, like, we're, we're, we're still seeing, feeling out. Like, yeah. That's the thing. Things are changing generation over generation. Like, basically, as the 360 transit, as the 360 generation went on, we saw the death of the of the AA, the AA game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it was just, it basically just became AAAs and an indie. And now, in a different way, we're seeing the death of third party. Like it's going to be, we're going to get to that point where, like, if like an AA game today stands out as really odd, like we don't really get them much. Like maybe like a Psychonauts two is like an mm-hmm. AA game. Yeah, I would say so like, play, yeah. It's kind of weird, like when they stand out. So like it might be a thing where like by next generation, a third party title will be weird. Like whoa, this is on. This is like, I mean, because we're already going to have games that are on both systems. Like Call of Duty is going to be on PlayStation, you know, but but it, it will know it's owned by Microsoft. So to see something truly third party, that might become 
kind of kind of just weird and different. Like now AAA games or AA games are, are different. So yeah, I don't like the consolidation either. And I, I think that you know us gamers are we're cheering for something that's gonna bite us in the butt later because it's like oh, I want my console yeah. to get my series. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. um it's just it's gonna suck because as we it's it's like seeing Larian now with Baldur's Gate three. Like uh-huh. that's one of the last true bastions of of like they're not even they're not even owned by a publisher. No. So that's and they're not indie. They're like AAA, not owned by a publisher and they're third party. So yeah, yeah. Um, enjoy enjoy these moments while you can because the game industry. It's some ways it's getting better. Like I I it's very easy to preach like how awful things are. Like oh things were so much better in my day. But like the fact that you can play a game like Starfield and uh, for fifteen dollars with Game Pass. Uh, is pretty incredible. Or if you mm-hmm. manage to get a deal where you paid like a dollar for it or something, yeah, that's incredible. And on top of that, you're playing like games like Fallout Four and and Horizon and or, or not Horizon Forza Horizons. What I mean, obviously Horizon is yeah. a PlayStation title, but like, and then even PlayStation Plus and stuff like that, you get free games. Like you can you get like the you can play like God of War uh, 2018. Or you can't play Ragnarok; it's newer, but you can play like 2018 just part of your subscription. So there's a lot of ways that gaming's more accessible, more easy. You know, mm-hmm. like. I being able to have all your games digitally and just swap in and out between them. Like yeah, cool. I just, I, I just remember like go getting up and taking my disc out and putting it back in the case and putting yeah, the yeah, case yeah. on the shelf and get another case. And of course I miss that for some ways, but like, but yeah, the industry's changing and we just got to roll with the punches. If we want to still play games, we just got to roll with the punches, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's not worth, I don't think we should be excited that elder scroll six is um, an Xbox exclusive, but I mean, it's good for Xbox to have such a game yeah. as an exclusive. And like you said, it, it feels like an Xbox game to me. So I'm not yeah. upset, you know? Yeah. But Yeah. And I, I think that, like, one thing I will say is that I feel like Elder Scrolls Six, if anything, will be kind of, like, for all the people that are disappointed in Starfield right now, because there is, there is a, like, a, a, a good bunch of people. They're definitely in the minority, I would say, but... People that are uh, yeah. are disappointed in Starfield's quality and like it's not really innovated like they probably would have liked, myself included. I think that Elder Scrolls Six will probably be the thing that is the the point where Bethesda has to move forward with their design yeah. tent poles. Um, and I feel like if that is the case, when that day comes, PS gamers are going to feel that if that happens. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and you know, I, I think it's fair too. Like, I think there's a lot of disingenuous conversation going around around starfield because like you said you have people that are a little disappointed or are are feeling like you know the the bethesda formula is getting a little long in the tooth and i think that's true but i think for every you know for every two people you have that are disappointed with starfield you have two thousand that attach to those two and just want to have negative discourse online about it like the bottom line is starfield's a really good it's a it is. I guess. I guess you're defining. I was gonna say exceptional game. I, I some people hold the word exceptional as like really high. Mm-hmm. Like for me, exception. I, I would say Starfield is an exceptional game. I would not say it's a masterpiece. That's like no. higher to me. But I would say it's an exceptional video game. It's really good. And like it's the fact is, it's a huge loss that Sony doesn't have this. This is a game that would be it'd be better if PlayStation had it 
but they don't and that sucks yeah. and they just yeah. there's so much like fanboying and like but you could say the thing is brian you could say this about so many sony first party games for sure you know sure. like you could say, like, it about you could say this about god of war and horizon yeah. like all oh, these yeah. games yeah. like in an ideal world we'd like if if i could i'd have them on everything but yeah this exactly. is how the industry is and it's a shame that yeah. like we're completely compartmentalized and because of that we have wars and stuff on social media yeah. and and things are completely taken out of context and we can't all just be rational but like this yeah. is this is it you know this is people trying to to moth mothball this game because it's an xbox exclusive. yeah and you know like the metacritic right now and i know we're kind of going to a starfield conversation but it's just yeah, it's yeah. interesting but like the metacritic for starfield's like an 83 and I do like I would give Starfield an eight out of ten, and I do actually find the eighty three to be pretty reflective of of what mm. I think that game is. But at the same time, I actually feel like there's a lot of reviewers that are, are probably disingenuine as very well. true. Yeah, you know, we like, won't name even, names, but we know who they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I, even though eighty three seems like a, a a fair place for Metacritic to land. And that's why I'm glad it like it does average all the things out. I know there's some weightedness going on there, but like, despite that, there's definitely some reviewers like anybody who's giving this game like a four, five, six, like that's insanity. This is yeah. such a high quality yeah. game. Yeah. Even though we've seen Bethesda do this type of game before, it's such a high quality game. But anyways, yeah, I don't know what you have left to say about that, Joe. But next topic, I'm I'm ready. Or if you want to say more, yeah, about let's this let's quick. move on yeah. because we yeah. can dedicate a whole 45 minutes to an hour and a half yeah. to Starfield, and for sure, maybe one day we will do. Maybe but we will. like, but like, maybe we right got to do a critical frames plus episode. I mean, that could be a Starfield. Yeah, that so. that'd be dope. Yeah. So moving on to the next uh, news piece. Unity apologizes, claims changes to recently announced runtime fee policy. Now, this is a big news story that's been going on, so I kind of have to give you a little bit of backstory of Is this the last news on. story? I just want to know for time purposes, like if there's... No, this is not. Okay. There's one more after this. Okay, okay. But I would say this is the largest of the show. Yeah, because I, I have a lot to say about this too, and I want you to go first because I think it's yeah. closer to you than me. So Yeah. So if you've been paying any amount of attention to the latest Unity debacle, you'd know that in another spectacular attempt at providing themselves with a PR nightmare, the company have drew an incredible amount of infamy regarding a change made to their service that costs developers a lump sum once their game is installed on a customer's platform of choice. The specifics are as follows from a piece, again, written by author Stephen Totillo on Axios, who reported on the previous story. Quote, the new runtime fee is tied to a player's installations of a game, an action that previously didn't cost developers anything. With Unity's new plan, developers who use Unity's free tier of development services would owe Unity two cents per installation once their game hit thresholds of 200,000 downloads and earn 200,000 in revenue. Developers pay over $2,000 a year for a Unity Pro plan would have to uh, sorry would have to hit higher thresholds and would be charged with lower fees. The new fee system will begin at the start of 2024. End quote. With this news, game developers rallied to voice their absolute distaste for the new policy, of which Unity have publicly apologized and claims changes to it. An article by Destructoid, written by staff writer Stephen Mills, reported the following. Quote, in a Twitter post on September 17th, Unity Technologies apologized and claimed that changes are coming to their recently announced and heavily disliked runtime fee policy. The new policy was met with a pretty universal outcry as developers realized they'd suddenly be on the hook for lud ludicrous fees. In some unique instances, some developers would owe more in fees under the new policy than they may have earned in total, 
total via sales for their game. We have heard you. We recognize for the confusion. No, sorry. We apologize for the confusion and angst the runtime fee policy we announced on Tuesday caused. We are listening, talking to our team members, community, customers, and partners, and we will be making changes to the policy. We will share an update in a couple of days. Thank you for your honest and critical feedback, which was Unity via Twitter. End quote. So this is an ongoing thing, and this isn't the first time Unity has somewhat done stupid <laughs> when it comes to PR yeah. uh, disasters, especially considering their entire engine and their framework is built around their community, just like Unreal. Um, but I've written down a couple of talking points because there's quite a lot here to to discuss. And one thing I will say is like the whole thing was definitely blown out of proportion originally, and it, it was due to a lack of uh, concise communication from Unity's yeah. uh, uh, behalf. So originally when this new policy was announced, it was blown away, uh, blown way out of proportion due to a lack of uh, clarification on the end of Unity PR, basically. Uh, people thought they would be retroactively charging games already released, but that isn't the case. But this ultimately, in my opinion, just reflects poorly on Unity and their relationship with their developers in terms of the communication side. Um, the developers of the games that were in mid to late like term of development cycles, they had no idea that this was coming down the pipeline. Like they had no information. And to me, that's absolutely insane. Yeah. Like that's so poor on behalf of Unity. Um, and if anything, I would say this is an absolute reflection of the dangers and subsequent pitfalls of having an entire industry of products built off service-based engine runtimes where the studio that utilizes these runtimes and creates them and, and proliferates them they make the developers completely at the mercy of the company that harbors it yeah um if we had an industry uh where this wasn't the case and every studio was the captain of their own proverbial ships regarding runtime environments then this would not be the case i mean think of like the red engine with cd project red and stuff like that yeah. However, things like Unity and Unreal streamline development so much that I don't see that being the case. It is easier to work in a runtime that's already pre-built. Another thing I will say is that this has the potential to not only uh, tank their stock further, which you know is already happening um, and it's plummeting, but I would say this has the potential if they don't fix it, which they are trying to do now, to maybe end up the entire brand closing. Because yeah. their entire thing is based off the community trust that they have. Unity is, it's you know, it's unity. It's in the name. Yeah. It's, a, it's a unification of everything that is. And that's why the engine is so versatile, is because yeah. everyone's using it and adding to yeah. it and updating it. Yeah. the tools, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and I will say this as a caveat to Unity, so it's not just a complete bag on them. Like, I do uphold and stand by the fact that Unity have the right to do what they want with their service. Yeah. But I also do bolster the idea that like the developers also can do the same, meaning if they want to move away from Unity, if they desire to do so, I think they have every right to do so as well. And th that's a hard thing for them to do because moving entire runtimes and engines is a no trivial matter. It's what they're familiar with. They have yeah. to learn something new entirely. You know? 100%. You know, like a developer yeah. that comes in to work on Unity might not be very familiar with Unreal and vice versa. You know, it's not something that... You know, it's the whole debacle again. We, we talk about Halo all the time and we did on the last episode, but like 
this is probably one of the reasons this is this was one of the reasons why you know the slip space engine was so difficult to work with because like yeah. the 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 tools and the resources and the knowledge base wasn't passed over to to new contractors when they came in to work on the on the on the engine it was just well. like bungee stuff passed to three early 343 passed to new 343 and then edited yeah. and conjumbled and just impossible yeah. yeah and i also think on like i feel like they've kind of cut their nose off to spite their face they've shot themselves in the foot unity because like this is going to be a massive undertaking to audit because the way they're going to measure this per install, how are you going to audit all that? You know, and I know people were freaking out because they thought, well, could people who hate us just like install, uninstall, reinstall our games over and over again just to drive up the the font? But they said, oh, we have a program that, that that's not going to happen. But yeah. it's like I can't just take your word for that. Like, yeah, you're having my whole livelihood wrapped up in like. How many installs there are? And you said, did you say it was two cents? Uh, I thought it was twenty, but I must have mis- misread. No, twenty cents. Twenty cents. Twenty cents. Okay, I think you said. I thought you said two earlier. Yeah, but I'm twenty not, cents. Not, but yeah, twenty cents an install. And like, I know some people were making jokes of that, but like, I mean, it depends on how big the game is, how many installs there are. This could affect. I mean, this could. Have, I mean, it's going to greatly affect people. And um, I mean. Unity does have such like a reputation for like unifying people and, and using all under this engine and so many games have been made on it. And I just feel like this whole entire idea was not properly thought out because no. like even just the whole concept of like per install to me just seems really poorly. That's how you want to do it. And like I'm right in saying that the whole point behind this is they want to find a way to make some more money, right? Like oh, that's, yeah, 100%. What, that's what this is about. And I, and I, I see when there's games like Among Us that are making this making so much money based on their engine. I understand wanting a little more of the pie. And I actually, no one's really saying this, but I actually don't really, I don't blame the makers of unity for wanting to make a little more money off of something they created. That's so beneficial to so many people and is bringing so much money. Like I think it's okay for a company to say, Hey, we want to increase. It's just like game pass, you know, that they increase the price of game pass price of PS plus Netflix, like, I think it's okay for them to want some more money. And whenever you ask for more money, you're going to get more pushback, right? But like, and I don't know all the ins and outs of how Unity makes their money. I know there's the the premiere program. It's like $2,000 a year and whatnot. And then yeah, yeah, standard yeah. Unity is like free. Mm-hmm. But if they had said like, oh, the free Unity is now, or anybody who's made a game that sold over 200,000 copies with the free Unity, um, we, we we now, if going forward, we want to, a $500 fee or something like that. I'm not, that, that's going to cause pushback for sure. But like they could have thought something through much better that could have netted them a lot more money yeah, and not cause this blowback. Right. Because if you do something that's like, it's like the game pass increasing their, like increasing a dollar. Right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter what blowback you get. You're going to get away with it because yeah. there's just not enough to make people riot over a dollar. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. this whole 20 cents an install thing, it's asinine and mm. it's just going to make people like Epic come in and be like, yo, we got it. We got Unreal Engine and, you mm. know, it's just going to, I mean, and I've already heard of like some developers on Unity saying they're, they're done with it. Right. So like yeah. once you put enough, uh, if you poison the well enough, you might just lose people forever. So, and like yeah. if your goal is to make more money and the stock prices are, are plummeting. Uh, I, I don't, uh, I don't know. Whoever they had at the top who like okayed this to go out yeah. in public, I, yeah, I don't yeah. understand what they were thinking. 
So. Yeah, I mean, it's also a question, like, again, the logistics of it, like, with the whole auditing, it's like, how do you know what's a legit install? Like, how's it yeah. going to play into the pirating of said games? Like, you know, is the developer going to be charged for a pirate game? You're in game? Unity, and you're telling me, oh, Brian, your game, 100,000 downloads, we need you to pay the 20 cents on that. And I go, and I say, uh, well, actually, according to my statistics, yeah. I haven't come anywhere near 100,000. Yeah. How are they going to prove it to me? And how am I going to prove it? And then, yeah, like, yeah. It's and like your work am I going to win a fight? Yeah, am yeah. I going to win a fight against Unity? No. Yeah, like, yeah. If they're telling me that I owe them like $30,000 on a game that I've profited eight, you're telling me I just lost $22,000 on, on something I developed? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's one thing if your game sucks and you make no money, but if your game's good and you make money, but then they're like, oh no, the install fees you owe us. Yeah. I don't know. You, you can't move forward with a policy like that. You can't. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just like, just let's read some of the games here, like, that are on Unity. You've got things like Cuphead, Beat Saber, Pokemon Go, Rust, Subnautica, City Skylines, Hollow Knight, My Friend Pedro, uh, Ori in the Blind Forest, Pillars of Eternity, uh, Return of the Obedian, like, Rimworld, Untitled Goose Game, like, these, these I games... I didn't know about some of those. Wow. They, yeah, they make up a lot of, like, the indie, potentially slash double A scene that we have yeah. now. And also on top of that, you've kind of got the pride and joy of Unity, which is Escape from Tarkov. Mm. And it's like, wow. that's kind of like your poster child that like I always like say, this is what Unity can build. Mm. And I just feel like, again, why do this? You know, like there's clearly not been much thought in this. And it's a shame because Unity as a, as a, as a runtime is a very, very fundamentally creative engine that just like perpetuates itself on just people getting involved and by you doing this you're stopping people getting involved you're kind of adding another barrier i do i do want to like i do promote companies being able to make some money too like yeah i know like people are always like f f the company screw the company and like i get that in a sense but i'm also like if a company's charging if a company's making let's just for simple numbers if a company's making a million dollars profit a year and then they're making it, making a million the next year and the next year. But then by three years, inflation has caused their costs to go up, their operations to go up, they're paying their employees more to go up. Mm-hmm. And now they only make 800000 a year. You'll get people who are going, oh, well, they should be happy they're making 800000 profit. Why They shouldn't up the price. That's not fair. But yeah. like, companies thrive on continuing to grow and increase profits. Yeah. People don't want to invest in a company that's profits are going down year over year. So like if their costs are going up, they're paying employees more, their their product, the 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 materials to build their products costing more. I think it's fair that they raise their prices to continue to make their company successful. But there's a difference between that and greed. And this mm-hmm. kind of feels like what this seems like to me as someone who doesn't know the ins and outs of Unity and their company is it seems to me as they're seeing things like Cuphead and Among Us and Escape from Tarkov and the amount of money they're bringing in. And even they're probably even seeing like the amount of money that streamers playing those games are bringing yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. And they're going, holy shit, there's way more money. There's so much more money <laughs> in not only the games that are being built with our with our uh, um, our engine, but also the streamers that we're sitting here making less than everyone. And we're the ones that created the damn platform. But at the same time, you have to realize like, know your lane in a sense. Like mm-hmm. I get like that would... That would I get it. Like if we were able to, like let's say let's say Critical Frames made, you know, a thousand dollars a year, but that'd be nice. That'd be nice, right? But <laughs> but 
but somebody who was sharing our content was making 10,000. Mm. Like it would feel like, okay, all they did was share our content. They didn't yeah, yeah. make it and they got 10,000, but it's because of their 10,000 share dollars worth of sharing that we were able to get up to 1,000. It's kind of like, yeah, I, I yeah. get it. It's like, we're the content, but it's like, we're only able to get, the only reason that Unity is able to make the money they do is because stuff like Among Us and Escape from Tarkov. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I think it's, you know, know your lane. I think there's some greed there, but I do, I also, I do sympathize. I know people hate when you say you sympathize with the company, but I do sympathize. Like they want to keep their profits mm. increasing year over year and like yeah. just find ways to do it that's not so egregious as, 20 cents per install like that sounds like something i would have came up with in high school yeah it's just like it, yeah. does not it, it, it's well kind of that. a give me your lunch money kind of scenario yeah. um yeah it's also i feel like very tone deaf in light of like kind of a was it a year or two back i can't remember exactly but like the industry was massively fixated on kind of like when epic the epic game store came out and they was charging developers less to put their uh games yeah. on on their on their store uh, storefront like that was a big debacle with Steam, and Steam got under fire because Epic Games kind of came along and was like, "Listen, like we can give you a shit ton of fucking like we can give you the the platform for less money, um, or we sorry we can give you a bigger cut on your game, but um, and Steam's not doing it, so come over come over to Epic Games, and then yeah. that kind of felt like there was like obviously a, a very nuanced discussion when it came to like Epic Games kind of like you know, stealing the thunder of Steam and, like, kind of using Fortnite as a way to kind of steal all these these game studios. But oh yeah, relating this back to Unity, it kind of feels tone deaf because it's like we've just gone through something similar to this in terms of, like, how this affects the developers. And then you've come out a few years later or a year later or whatever it might be, and you've essentially just fucking gone the worst way possible to doing this. Like, why not, like, look at your subscription costs for the premium edition? you know like the premium yeah. uh, service that you that you you bought that's probably not the majority of people using the premium that's the problem that's the problem it's probably, it's probably yeah. the free one but yeah. i mean wasn't it in the last year that epic came out and said yo uh first million dollars you make we're not going to touch anything mm -hmm. i think that was in the last year so like unreal i mean i think i mean maybe there's a conversation to be had but i feel like unreal in a in a in a, a sense is a better engine than I, I feel like i can just say that unreal is a better engine than unity like it's not Apples to oranges type things like, you know, mm. Unity is better for indie developers a lot of times probably than Unreal and whatever, yeah. but like yeah, yeah, yeah. Unreal has more capability. It's it's more prestigious. It's just and, more in depth. Yeah. And they're saying you can go make your first million dollars and we won't even take one cent. You can just use it for free. That's happening. And then in the same year, Unity's like, ah, 20, 20 cents. 20 cents. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So yeah, it is a little maybe. bit of an evil mastermind kind of thing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. we won't we won't count the reinstalls. I swear it. Just trust me, bro. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's I, I don't know. Don't be surprised, guys, if you see a lot of developers moving over to Unreal after this. Uh, yeah, after this uh, horrible, horrible news on behalf of the developers. Yep. Are we all good with that, Brian? I think we're good with Unity. We have got one news story left. One news story left. Let's this is good. Up, I feel baby. good about this. I feel good about the time. Yeah. Also. Water so good for throat lubrication. So good. Yeah, for throat yeah. Well, I've really got my, uh, I've got my sneak, my energy drink, mm -hmm. so I'm not falling asleep in my chair here. I'm wishing this was a cherry coke, but it doesn't help as much. So. Oh, cherry coke, dude! Come on, so good. It is good. Alrighty, next news story. 
$70 Mortal Kombat 1 Switch version oh, called this is Robbery as yeah. graphical comparisons flood the internet. A report coming by way of Eurogamer, written by Victoria Kennedy, states that there's been an outcry of disgruntled gamers claiming that the Switch version of Mortal Kombat 1 is a robbery due to its technical issues and graphical inferiority. Quote, Mortal Kombat 1 released in early access last week across Nintendo Switch, PC, PlayStation 5, and Xbox Series XS. Since then, several users have uploaded footage and screenshots showcasing the Switch version of the game, and the results aren't great. In fact, the version available on Nintendo's hybrid console has been widely panned, with many wondering how the developer can ask the same price on Switch as on other platforms. Fans have taken to the likes of X, formerly Twitter, and TikTok to question NetherRealm's decision to market Mortal Kombat 1 as a $70 Switch release. It has been called robbery and disrespectful to users. Others have noticed glitches on their Switch versions of the game. Quote, both of these are $70, question mark, exclamative, question mark, exclamative, question mark, dollar, ex, uh, question mark. Oh, hell no, one X user said, sharing a side-by-side -side comparison of Lee May. Quote, if I was playing Mortal Kombat 1 on Switch, I'd ask for a refund in a heartbeat. TikTok user Johnny Bo who regularly covers Nintendo releases, said Mortal Kombat 1 feels like a PlayStation 1 game. Quote, it is just horrible, end quote, they shared. In a follow-up video, the creator said while they are, quote, happy to have access to Mortal Kombat 1 on the Switch, it feels borderline criminal to be charging the same price for this version of the game as the Xbox and PS counterpart. <laughs> Johnny Bo said it doesn't feel bad to play, but it, quote, really hurts their eyes, end quote. Yeah, I shared this with Joe earlier today, and there was like side-by-side -side pictures, and you have like a nice <laughs> detailed face on every other platform, and then the Switch, it looks like mashed potato face with like two grapes for eyeballs. It's it so like bad. It. And then I showed yeah. him this video, literally, it's like you picture Mortal Kombat, right? You have your two fighters side-by-side, -side, and they're supposed to be fighting, you know, and like it, it's like a 2D plane, but it was showing somebody on the Switch, and then you got the one character here on the 2D plane, and then this other character was seemingly in front of the environment, so like closer to the screen, mm -hmm. and they were running towards the enemy, or towards the enemy, and they were getting, they were coming closer to the regular 2D plane, and then when they get to the character, they just pass <laughs> behind them. They just pass behind them oh, in like so environments. So I don't know. Multiple reasons this doesn't make any sense. First of all, they went for the $70 price. You couldn't even made a 60 Switch game. That's pathetic. They went for the $70, gen, $70 next gen price. Switch is not next gen at all. Um, and then yeah. they put it on the Switch, which it shouldn't have went on the Switch to begin with, but we also know the new Switch is coming probably in less than a year. Why didn't you hold off for the new Switch that could have actually played this game? Well, I know why, because you want to make more money, because you 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 probably know that there's guaranteed several million copies of the Switch version that will be sold, 100%. but this game, this game's a looker. This should not have been on the Switch. We're talking, the Switch is like, it's better than a 360, but it's worse than an Xbox One. So this is not a game you should put Mortal Kombat 1 on. This game looks like a joke. If any of you guys want to see something hilarious, go look up Mortal Kombat yep. 1 on Switch. Absolutely do not buy this. Um, refunds should be given. Uh, yeah, it's awful. Just awful. It's hilarious. I, I have, it's hilarious, but I have no words. I'm just so glad I'm, one, not a Nintendo Switch main, and two, I care about the Mortal Kombat 1 to play it on said platform because I wouldn't be laughing right now. I'd be pissed. I'd be actually annoyed because it is a disservice. Um, I think, I think the fact it is, it is the price point. 
you know, like this could maybe get away as maybe yeah. 50. I think you again, you're yeah. pushing it at 60, yeah. but like, dude, it looks so bad. Like all the carrots look like they're made all out the of Play-Doh. Like they're tweaking, they're tweaking on some yeah. drugs. <laughs> yeah, they all look like crackheads. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah, it's and World Combat One is apparently a really good game. Like it's got really good reviews and scores, but the Switch version, man, that ain't it. Not good. That ain't it. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to uh, to kind of seeing all the funny videos at least. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but that's it for our news stories, isn't it, Joe? That it. That is everything. Uh, that's not bad for a random Monday. That bad. is that is pretty so. good. Very concise. Again, bite size, guys. Come on. That's that's, that's the, the goal point. Here. That is the point. So, uh, anything else to say, Brian? Um, no, this was a lot of fun. I thought we covered some, some good topics. Um, I'm, I'm going to hate if we get off here and some awesome news drop, but that's the cool thing about critical frames, right guys? Like me and Joe have this good time frame. The, the goal is to be under an hour. We're going to cover news from that day. So if something big pops up, we can just get on and record an episode again tomorrow. Um, the, the nature of these episodes being small and news oriented is they're going to come out a lot quicker. So you may get, uh, we might have a week where you get only two episodes from us. But you might have a week where you get five. So yeah, um, yeah. And, so and the beauty of the of the duration, I think, uh, of critical frames is that like you could like bunch them if you don't get time to watch them as they come out. You can yeah. bunch them all up at the end of the week and like kind of listen to them as if they're like kind of one podcast. Yeah, like a four hour um, podcast or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so. kind of a collection. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we're up on YouTube and we're up on podcast platforms, and this will be going up uh, here the day of this information. So yeah. Um, so this uh, is fun. I'm yeah, it was it was. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the uh, the test uh, the Elder Scrolls Six news story, and I especially enjoyed the Unity story because yeah, Unity yeah. is it's not necessarily something close to me, but as like a PC gamer, somewhat first and foremost alongside the PlayStation Five at the moment, it's like it's quite close to home in that regard. Yeah. Um, so I have like a lot of relatability to it in that regard. But yeah, so uh, guys, we'll be back obviously very soon with more news from the gaming industry. If you want to connect with us outside of the podcast episodes, please do feel free to head over to Twitter or X and follow us at Critical Frames. For all the video eye candy, make sure you head over to our YouTube channel by the same name, of course. And if you want to go to uh, go the extra mile because you're super, super duper awesome, travel over to patreon.com slash critical frames where you can support us monetarily and get some awesome benefits. Thank you for tuning in. Stay safe and peace out. Love you guys. See you. Critical Frames, a bite-sized video game news podcast, is recorded transnationally between the United Kingdom and the United States of America. The show is written, directed, produced, and edited by myself, Joseph Smalley, as well as being conceived in partnership with the show's co-host, Brian Arvett. All of Critical Frames' music is by Charlie Bethencourt.